Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network, holiday Christmas edition. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. Uh, my name is Stephen Godfrey. You can find me at 38Godfrey on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Uh, Ian Fitzsimmons will be our guest coming up a little bit later on. We will talk coach of the year. We'll talk quarterback transfers as Bo Nix did exactly what we predicted last week on the show and went to Oregon. Uh, and of course, uh, we'll talk a little bit about some bowl games. And uh, But first, we'll, we'll get into some, some hot takes about next season already. It's never too early to look at 2022. However, Aaron Dugan, very early in the morning. Oh, Lord. Be a raindrop. Fringe Element is brought to you by. Jasper's the world's Christmas miracle. Nice. Did I already do that? That's good. That's good. I think you you were you were pretty close last week, but it's about the same. By the way, go to Jasper's. Uh, great holiday specials. If you need a stocking stuffer, go to the market. They've got all kinds of good locally sourced, like Thistle Farms and like Goo Goo Clusters and all kinds of really cool stocking stuffers in there. So go check out the market. Free parking, great food, drink specials, all that great stuff. If and when there's ever hockey games or sporting events for you to watch they, they will have great drink specials when those take place we're recording this very early in the morning so if you're watching us on youtube uh wow. aaron dugan aaron dugan doing great work to put the show up on youtube so go check out the entire show uh all over the youtubes now so go do that um subscribe it is pretty, it is pretty early in the morning and steven and i are on kids schedules aaron dugan is not so that's why we're recording this so early in the morning <laughs> i gotta leave town so i do so have a go. thing to do all right, so quickly here, Aaron Dugan, you have some hot takes about next season for the SEC football teams, and Aaron, and Stephen and I will judge these takes based from one to five Stephen A's, five Stephen A's being the hottest of hot takes, one Stephen A being the least. Aaron, let's rattle these off. Okay, <clears throat> here we go. Tennessee goes nine and three and loses a big-time bowl, but all the fans end up smiling after, and they're kind of happy even though they lose it. Sucks. Okay. Mizzou no, no, no. solidifies. No, 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 no. I'm processing. Um, okay. We're thinking. That's a. I, I, it's not controversial by any stretch. Well, um, no, I mean, Tennessee I would go being like two, happy at all is kind of controversial. Two Stephen A's. Yeah, I would agree. I would go two. The nine okay. and three part. Yeah, without picking apart the schedule, I think. The, I, didn't the really lose, I think if they finish nine and three, I don't think they're going to care about the bowl. And like, because they're kinda... so happy. Yeah. 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 Okay. Tennessee fans this year have been happier than they've been in many, many, many years. Hendon hookers yeah. back. They closed well on the recruiting trail. B Big orange people are actually happy right now. Yeah. So the, yeah. I the think... thing to, yeah. The thing to take away is that we have, this has bought them a little time before they really go crazy again about like, why yes. can't we beat Alabama, <laughs> Georgia, et cetera. So it won't yes. be long, but yeah. All right. So, okay. Yeah, like see? two years. Does everybody get the game now? I think it's I think it's a good game. Aaron, yeah. it was this was your idea. Well done. Next uh, next hot take. This might not be that hot, but Mizzou solidifies a spot in the middle upper range of the SEC and probably gets like super tight new uniforms to try to make them a little cooler. Not that controversial. Hmm. Any. I, I, I'm going to go four Stephen A's. Why? Maybe three, Steven. You're right. Four. You think a it's that straight. controversial? I I think that Missouri having a good uniform and or being <laughs> top level of the SEC East are both pretty hot takes. That's so but I'm gonna mean. go. I'm gonna go three, Stephen A's. It's not super hot take. It's not like winning the East, but I'm gonna go three, Stephen A's. The uniform is very low for me. The the when it, the the relevancy is very high. How's that? So it's a split. That's the hot take part. Yeah. I think they should. I think they should have be the Oregon of the league in terms of like uniforms. Would you have a black base as a palette? Like, yeah, go Matt crazy. Black. Black. 
Yeah, like, have fun. I think Vanderbilt has done a far better job with their black base. Yes. Than yes. I think Missouri's look more arena football, like the Iowa Barnstormers, and I think Vanderbilt's look more like classy and classic and like creative. So we There's got that more, going for us. <laughs> yes, I would. I would say even with the transition back by Vanderbilt, yeah, we could do a whole uniform episode. But yes, Vandy has been oh, beating we, Missouri handily. Okay. We, we, we this is this is what exactly what we're going to talk about in March. We'll have a, a, a uniform episode. All right, yes, Aaron, take, take number three. Sam Pittman somehow convinces his already huge offensive line to gain six to ten pounds a piece, and they end up getting faster. <laughs> and also, I get to do a pregame speech. At an Arkansas game. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so five Stephen A's for you getting to do the pregame speech, but if 100%. we can make that happen, tremendous. Um, I, I I don't I don't know if you get I don't think it's a hot take, but man, do you get a lot of credit for the creativity? Like they all gain nine pounds, but they get faster. Why yeah, nine? Like a, lots of creativity. Yeah, this probably should be on a creative scale and not a hot take scale, but that's, that's not pretty what low. We signed yeah, up for. that's that's very low end. I would not worry too much about that in terms of controversy. Yeah, it's I love one, how little like Stephen Godfrey is so literal. I love it. I'm um, just like, yeah, you, you haven't. Yeah, you you're, I think you're less controversial than you were worried about being. Yeah. I think I think maybe it's like creative rant. It should be like random slash creative. But y'all just judge me on whatever you want. I don't care. Y'all okay. do that yeah. anyway. That um, good. Texas A&M basically does what Georgia did this year but ends up losing the game they shouldn't at the very end and getting their dreams completely stripped away, but also no one will feel that bad for them, and also no one really cares. Mm, okay. Mm. I, I don't So care. you're saying 12 you're saying twelve and 0, and then they lose. I mean, I don't know if I can do that, but. Because that would be very, very spicy. That that would be four <laughs> or five Stephen A's. So you're Georgia-ing you're Georgia them. Yeah. I think they're Georgia this year minus one win. So eleven and one. That's not controversial to me at all. I think that's a, just a great call. <laughs> like, I think they're actually, that, you think that. that good. You think yeah. that that good? Yeah. They do have a lot of inverse relation with Georgia in terms of like insane expectations, terrible results versus the expectations, like possibly cursed. Yeah, I like that. I, I wouldn't say inverse. I would say directly correlated to. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saying uh, your your results. Like most programs would be happy with a 10 and two season, but if you're Georgia, you want to die like that. Yeah, <laughs> like that's standard. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I like that. A&M and Georgia have more in common than you realize. Yeah. I know. I, I completely, I don't think it's a hot take at all to say that they would be good and then choke that game away when they're oh, yeah. good. Yeah. I think it's a hot take to say that they're good enough to be 11 and one. The Is other it a hot fun- take to say, like a lot of people just don't care about them, but you have to care because you play because you're a fan of another team. Well, the other fun thing is that this is also potentially on the eve of Texas and Oklahoma coming in. And if A&M has a chance to sort of like establish control or whatever in the league, but then they lose it, then then their hated rival comes in and it's going to drive them insane. <laughs> the, the, to, to your point, though, about no one caring about them, I don't think that's true. I think college football fans love watching all teams and A&M is a, a very big and powerful brand with lots of money and a coach that's recruiting like crazy. But I do think there is an inherent little brother syndrome with Texas A&M. Having lived in Austin for four years growing up, you are not taught your mama so fat jokes when you live in Austin in middle school. <laughs> you are taught how do you confuse an Aggie joke? Like that's what you that's what you are that's what you learn in middle school in Austin is how do you confuse an Aggie? And then there's just like forty seven jokes after that. It's true. So there's there's definitely an inherent little brother syndrome, which is why they went to the SEC in the first place. 
And now their big brother is coming back to the party after going to college and, and gaining like 30 freshman pounds. He's going to come back to the party and start beating <laughs> up on beating up on you again. Uh, all right. I don't know where that metaphor. Also, came from, but, I'm talking uh, a lot of shit, but like I still am dying to go to Texas a and game. That's the only game oh, in yeah. the SEC I've not been to. So if you if you want to go, uh, Billy Lucci, Texags has invited me to his house to stay at his house many times. If we want to go to a game, we can go stay at Lucci's mansion. So I think we and, should do that. I don't know why eat, we wouldn't. And go eat dinner with J.J. Watt at a steakhouse in Houston. All right, Aaron, what else you got? Any more? I was doing these late last night. Vanderbilt, I think, just gave me anxiety. All I wrote down was phone a friend, but I should probably put something else down. Do you all have a hot take on them? This is just too near and dear to the heart. Uh, not on Vanderbilt, no. I mean, um, what are you going to say? What would be hot take about it? Like you win two, uh, A hot take would be they – I'm thinking – Doubling win totals, I think, would yeah. be exactly what you would ex- like. That would be great. So they would win what four games, and let's include a conference game in there. They have How's to. That? They have to break the like the <laughs> yeah, twenty-two game SEC losing streak. They yeah. have to break that. Honestly, yeah. you you could say the four four win thing, and it doesn't feel as controversial. But although they do have Wake Forest coming, um, I, I think the hot take you got to pick that SEC win. Yeah, like South Carolina, like that'd be a hot take. But like they always play close. Close. I mean, I'm looking at South Carolina and Missouri right now, and the rest feel out of reach. To to me, the hot takes, the true hot takes that are going to bubble up over the course of the entire offseason are going to be LSU, Auburn, and Florida. Those are the three teams that are going to get a lot of hot takes one way or the other. Whether it's like super awesome, they're going to bounce back and be amazing, or dumpster fire, O&A, blah, blah, blah. Like those are the three teams that I think you're going to get really varied sort of like fabricated takes on all off season long. That's that. Those are the three teams I think that are going to get a lot of that. I think that's um, probably true. So, which is a perfect time for us to transition into um, some quarterback news real quickly here with Bo Nix transferring to Oregon. I think Bo did something for Bo. Uh, as we talked about last week, I think that's a smart move. They hire Austin Davis to be their offensive coordinator who Steven, you can kind of give us some, some background on, on this guy. He, he, he was a quarterback at Southern Miss, for those of you who watched Conference USA football back in the day. He's very, very young. He was the quarterback's coach for Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll in Seattle. Mm-hmm. He is now tied with Brian Harson, who's going to be more involved in the offense. They have TJ Finley and a couple of young kids on the roster. Um, do you? I guess my question for you, Stephen, real quickly on the, on the Auburn front is, do you believe in the, Harson making his own choice to hire his guy to develop a quarterback with now TJ Finley, Demetrius Davis, and the true freshman? Like, is that the right so combination of pieces for Auburn moving forward, in your opinion, I think that the best part about this hire for Auburn is that you can't 100% say it was Harson's hire or not, depending on where your allegiance lies right now. If you're still critical of Harson or if you feel like he should be given a fair chance, this just looks like a fundamentally good hire. I think this just looks like something that makes sense, which um, if it were to jump out at you automatically, that this was a quote unquote Harson guy after what they've been through with, with having their guys versus other guys, that would be alarming to me because it means that the focus is still on internal control rather than, Hey, what, what's, what's actually fundamentally good for the program right now. Um, on, on a slightly broader scale, it's interesting to me that NFL quarterback coaches and vice, like we're seeing more fluidity with the league and I like the introduction of concepts there. So I'm, yeah. I, I'm good with this, man. Yeah, I, I, I like it as well. Uh, Aaron, Bo Nix's legacy. When I say Bo Nix to you at Auburn, the touchdown pass, the, the, the unbelievable, probably the most ridiculous play in all of SEC football in 2021 was play against LSU where he throws the touchdown pass. 
also lots of injuries, uh, coaching change of pandemic. We talked about it last week. When I say Bo Nix, what's the legacy? How do you, def- what's the first thought in your head when you think legacy? Um, Auburn should be grateful, gratitude from Auburn fans towards him for being able to be as malleable of a player as he was and kind of sort of, you know, make things less painful for them over the course of the last three years. I mean, he also complained openly about the refs and pouted on the sidelines sometimes too. But he did. That's not what people are going to remember. I keep thinking of that game-winning duck pass against Oregon. So there's some there's some full circle this to this. I, yeah. I, I again, like we talked about last week, uh, and he's reuniting with his former offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham, who's now you know he's at Florida State, was at Auburn. Now he's at now. He's That's at why he went, by the way. Yeah, of course. Um, Dan he Lanning. wants to get back to some consistency and some things that he thought Harson limited from. It's that simple. Yeah. That's flee the again, chaos. We, we all agree this was a Bo Nix decision for Bo Nix. Uh, yes, is, he finally did something for him. So um, glad he's not a good for Bo for, for creating for boundaries. <laughs> um, I, a fresh start is what he needed. So, all right, Zach Calzada leaves Texas A&M despite beating Alabama. I'm not. A, I'm not really as surprised by that one as many people think because he was sort of the backup. They now have Max Johnson out of the portal from LSU. Yeah. Miles Brennan is back at LSU. So both LSU quarterbacks have found homes, even though one just came came back. Um, you got Spencer Rattler going to South Carolina, of course, who I don't, I don't, I mean, that fills a huge void. I don't know how much of a difference that makes. I think South Carolina overachieved this year, but just in general, the portal is, is, is turning and we're seeing quarterbacks move around. Um, I think there's a cautionary tale. If you look at JT Daniels, Joe Milton, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Joey Gatewood, there's just as many quarterbacks that have transferred. Joey Gatewood, ouch. Just as many quarterbacks who've transferred at the SEC who have been bad that have been good. We also have Will Levis and Hendon Hooker who have been great. Um, I also will point out, and I think a lot of SEC fans don't realize this, in the last 15 years, four different programs in the SEC have won national championships. Three of them have done so with a transfer quarterback. That is Cam Newton, Jake Coker, and Joe Burrow. So you can kind of find it either way you want if you want to talk transfer. I could have won that national title instead of Jake Coker. Um, the, my, he my threw first, for 350 yards. And I think anyone on this podcast could have done that on that team. Um, the My first response to how I'm watching these reactions in the industry and the fans and everything is like, especially on the Spencer Rattler deal, guys, he struggled mightily to be consistent against inferior defenses than what he will see at South Carolina. I think what we're seeing now is a mini version of, you know how we line up these great kickoff games every year and we just inevitably end up overreacting to like three or four of them because they just don't hold the weight that we thought. I don't think we're going to be talking about Spencer Rattler in South Carolina, November next year. It just, we're not. I, I totally agree. He also, transferred for a reason. It's the fact that Marcus Satterfield said that he told Spencer Rattler, everyone in the country thinks you stink. Everyone in the country thinks I stink. Like, let's go at this with the biggest chip on our <laughs> shoulder. Like there was a point to it. It's like, go yeah. in there with a chip on your shoulder. But that's just funny. He's like, everyone thinks you suck. Everyone thinks I suck. Nothing I, to I, lose. I think there's some poor logic though to the he transferred for a reason. Like not being as good as Caleb Williams is not as an not as an indictment on a player. I think not playing what good football for like seven or eight games is an indictment on the player. Uh, also, KJ Costello transferred in, had a huge game last year to start the season, and then he's got benched at the end of the year. So again, just pointing out that the transfer portal works for you and it can work against you just as many times. There's no you got to find the right guy and the right fit and the right coaching staff the right year. It's all about the right stuff, and it doesn't always work. So just KJ Costello's got some one-hit wonder vibes going on, like JoJo. 
like a musical artist that's a one-hit wonder. Like that's what KJ Costello feels like to me. Like Casey and JoJo. No, she's talking JoJo. This is not a good reference for the probably our target market. Think of another one-hit wonder. I understood that reference. It, it, that was Thank not from you. the late. That was not late nineties R and B. She's talking about no. it like Get a girl. Out. Like a girl pop star that oh, was please like, please sing it, Aaron. Please uh, continue. That's all I got. On the tail end of the like Britney Christina era. That's God. Not, yes, was God. Yes. Okay. Was there no. not an R and B like duo that was, called Casey that, and Joe? That was an R and B duo from way okay. earlier. Okay. I don't know who that is. All my life. I believe you. Yes. All my nope, life. Nope. 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 Didn't want that. <laughs> Didn't, ask Didn't for want that. that. Didn't sign <laughs> up for that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Any other quarterback transfer information that you'd like to discuss? Um, I think we're good on that. Backup market will be affected. Like I, I hate to validate these doomsaying prophecies in college football. Yes, the way the way in which you plan for a backup quarterback is going to be different. Deal with it. You'll live. I, I think all the fans are going to be just fine. The people that have yeah. to do all the extra work You're, managing their fluid rosters yes. are getting paid yes. million dollars. So I don't care. Correct. Um, yeah, it's, all right. It's not the end of the world. Bowl games. Uh, there are a bunch of them. I I think I've said this a. Literally, I'd like to think we I was ahead of the curve on this, saying this like eight years ago, 10 years ago, that bowl results don't mean anything going forward or looking backwards. They are just really fun to enjoy in the moment. Um, coaches don't coach them the same. Players don't play in them anymore. Uh, fans used to value them, but the prestige is gone because there are 127 teams in bowl games now. But they are fun reality TV exhibitions to enjoy and watch. Uh, mm -hmm. I will give you the two that I care the most about and why. Um, I cannot wait to watch... The AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Mississippi State versus Texas Tech in Memphis, because Texas Tech still owes two and a half million dollars to the head coach at Mississippi State, Mike Leach. And I just I want to know what that dynamic is going to look like before, during and after the game. What does Mike Leach say in the press conference? I, I think Mississippi State is going to destroy Texas Tech on the field. I don't really care about the outcome, but I do want to I do want to see the you owe me money dynamic <laughs> in that particular game. It's going to be funny. Is he going to be able to translate that to his players? Like, this is a big game for him. He's hyped <laughs> up for this. He ended up in a place that no one ever thought he could, which is the SEC. We don't have a really strong history of Mike Leach's players playing for him. Like, there are guys, and you can make a list of coaches where you're like, I'll, I will give my all for Coach X because I love him. That ain't this dude. So I'm very curious to see how Mississippi State responds to a Texas Tech team that is in a huge amount of transition, y'all. Like, this is not going to be the Texas Tech team that you see next year. I don't even know who's coaching this game. They're, they're not good. They will be good in two years. They're bad right now. That's true. That is funny to think about. Like, Mike Leach is like, please, please don't lose this game. Yeah. But a harder sell for Mike Leach and Sam Pittman, which brings me to Arkansas, Penn State, which is, um, I mean, no surprise there that that's the one I'm most excited for. Outback Bowl on New Year's Day. That's a fun game. That's a really fun game. Yeah. Should be. I mean, Traylon Burks opted out, which I get. So he's always fun to watch. So takes a little bit of the spiciness out of it, but should still be pretty good. All the Penn State has a hard time scoring, um, but has a good defense. Should be fun to watch against Arkansas's offensive line. So we'll see. You're doing you're doing actual football analysis. I appreciate. Yeah, that. it's weird. I appreciate that. Uh, I like it's Big weird. Ten. It's like I know weird. nothing, but yeah. No, no, no. It's just for, for this show today. For for bowl games, it's odd. Um, yeah. Also, Penn State and, you know, Big Ten SEC and a New Year's Day Bowl. I'm, I'm cool with that. Sign me up. Um, yeah. Uh, the other one I, I can't wait to see is North Carolina and South Carolina in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, only because 
Shane Beamer has signed up for the mayo bath after the game. Oh, nice. have mayonnaise poured all over himself nice. if he wins, a la the Gatorade bath. And I, I would prefer to see Mac Brown take a mayonnaise bath. But he is not signed up. I don't know if he has or not. Trump but tells me he is not. Also, Duke's mayo is the shit. <laughs> no free shouts. Um, <laughs> my, mayonnaise. How about this? Mayonnaise is the worst of all the condiments. Oh, God. Here we go. Uh, my pick is actually the most arbitrary game possible that I just I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see, like, what the football product look, look, looks like. And that is. Right, I guess not right before, but after every other bowl game is played, but before we know a national champion, Kansas State and LSU are going to play at the Texas Bowl. Yep. Why? I wish Adrian Martinez could play in this game. Why? What are we doing here? Just why? Um, from an LSU standpoint, I think this is this is like the most you're going to go over to your grandparents' house and sit there this on Saturday afternoon. I don't care if you have plans with your friends because – LSU does not really need these bowl practices. They're going to look way different next year in terms of personnel and scheme and everything else. Why are you playing this game? Who's coaching this game? Uh, what, 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 what's paycheck? the scheme going to be? Like They just want to win so they and, can all get new PlayStations. Oh, there you go. And, and maybe some sweet bomber jackets. Mm-hmm. But, but, but you know what? Deuce Vaughn in Kansas State, is that's no joke. That's what I'm saying. Like that's no joke. You could lose this game and feel even worse about what's gone on the last two years. Like <laughs> there is no upside for LSU to be in this game. Also, it's so far after everything else has happened. It's just mm-hmm. it's one of the bizarre occurrences that is just specific to college football. Tuesday, the, Tuesday, January fourth, Aaron. Yeah. The Bye. only <laughs> the only thing I know for sure about this game is that the color purple will be present. That's like all I know. It's gonna be yeah, that, that's whatever. Fair. I, I will say also, if you LSU fans are now upset of what Steven just said to you, I would say again, they're not. They don't. Want, say... They don't want that bowl game. <laughs> but who cares? Like, who cares? Who cares Steven if you doesn't win or lose? care. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It really, it literally doesn't. Like, if you're no. Tennessee, if you're, we were just talking about Tennessee being happy. Are they really trying to stack Music City Bowl trophies on top of each other? Like, is that what they're trying to do? That's not yeah. what they're trying to do. And so, uh, listen, enjoy it, celebrate, tailgate, drink some beer, have a good time with your friends and family, but don't, don't don't take the outcome too seriously. The, the bowl practice is really what matters, the paycheck, the recruiting, all that stuff. So don't, don't take it too seriously. All right. Um, we'll wrap up today. Uh, we'll hear, we'll talk with Ian Fitzsimmons coming up in just a few minutes, but um, I'm saving my rest of my hot takes. Cause they took a long time, okay. but they were just, my best yeah. ones are yet to come. So we'll do those next week. Okay. I, I had, that's all good, man. I thought your takes were wonderful. Thank um, you. Coach of the year. And I, I don't really care as much about the award per se, but I do think in the sec, there are so many coaches that accomplished really awesome things. The way Josh Heupel did his job at Tennessee, Shane Beamer getting to a bowl game, I think way overachieved our expectations for South Carolina. Mark Stoops quietly won nine games. Sam Pittman has not only turned Arkansas around, but has changed the hiring process in coaching as well. Um, Lane Kiffin won 10 games at Ole Miss the first time in school history. That's ever happened. And Mike Leach had a pretty good year as well. So either you got fired or you are playing for the national championship or you are coach of the year candidate. Who did the best job? Take Saban and Smart out of the equation. Who 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 is deserving of this kind of praise this season? All those guys are very mm. worthy. I'm trying to take it like not be biased. <laughs> so not Pittman. Yeah, but if that's you not think it's fair. Pittman to make the case. I think it's fair. Like God, for you go job. first. <clears throat> I always have a really hard time with these because the context is so crucial. Um, 
I like the consistency. I guess Stoops or Pittman. Sorry, I just told you to go and then I skipped you. I, I would probably I would probably say Stoops or maybe Kiffin. Like it, but it's probably- interesting. I would I would go Hypel. <laughs> um well, yeah. NCAA violations, investigation, 26 players in the portal, you know, total dumpster fire of a program to actually be a chance to win eight games. I don't know. Like, I, again, I, I agree with you guys. You make great cases for your guys, too. There are a lot of like there are a lot of people that could we could justify winning that. I think I think the takeaway here is that it is very much sort of a mash at, at a certain point right off the top. You've got the obvious playoff candidates and then you've got. You know, I I don't want to sit here and pick apart the difference between like, you know, Stoops, Kiffin, Pittman, that tier. Hypel to me is unique because it's a first year guy, mm-hmm. and so you know, creating consistency is almost as hard as as create creating consistency the first time, creating uh, calmness. Right. I should say, right. it's a it's a very different job than like what Stoops is doing, for instance. So, yeah, I don't know if I would rank them all. I would say they're all achieving about the same product. It's there, there's a healthy middle in this league right now. And Hypel did the culture quick too, yeah. which is hats off. That's not easy to do. And and like with Shane Beamer, none of us have really changed our long-term opinion of his ability and long-term success at South Carolina, but he just physically won games. He wasn't supposed to. This was still probably the hardest mm. job in America. Right. Like, so again, I, I also would put Shane Beamer at the bottom of that list and Leach at the bottom of that list. But if you told me Pittman, Kiffin, Stoops, or Heupel, I don't have a problem with any of those guys be, winning the award. And I think you can make a great case for all of them being sort of coach of the year. Again, all relative to what the award normally is, which is yeah. who sort of overachieves the most or does something unexpected. It's not, it's, not ever, it's not ever the guy who won the championship. I mean, Saban doesn't win the award very often. Yeah. Or like like Coach K, I don't think Coach K has ever won coach of the year. That's Maybe probably why Godfrey's not arguing about us talking about it like he would with the Heisman. <laughs> It's not nearly. Yeah, it's not stupid. Yeah, it's not stupid. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Wow. On that note, and that's how uh, I leave. Wow. How, how does ever quick quickly, uh, Godfrey, how do you do uh, Christmas at your family with three kids? Is it a Christmas Eve thing? We're on Christmas the road day this day year, um, but no, it is a Christmas Day thing. Okay. I, I know that Christmas Eve is popular in certain parts of the country or actually or sorry, I meant to say world, but um, and part of the country. Um, it's still a day thing. So we're going to fight that for as long as we can. It's funny. I'm the opposite. Our family, I grew up doing family gifts on Christmas Eve and like getting together with the family and then Santa on Santa Christmas in the morning. morning. Yeah. Which it's is the way it's spread out. So far, doing... it's just the one day. We'll see. Okay. Dudes, we watched, what did you, what about we, you? <laughs> we watched South Park Woodland Critter Christmas on Christmas Eve. <laughs> My mom hates no. that tradition. She's like, can't we just be normal? Like, no, <laughs> we're just not normal. Um, we sounds, also have, sounds like we, she's a South Park character. <laughs> It does. Yeah. She's chickadee the chickadee. I love um, no. And then we have to watch something that she wants to watch. We normally eat chili and then we do. Um, we're not, we don't have any young ones in the oh, house, nice. but my cousin, now, we now have an, a niece or a, a cousin that's like, you know, whatever. I guess my mom and dad's niece, whatever. There's one small kid. We're going to give her uh, gifts from Santa. Uh, Santa's going to give her gifts. What we do prime rib Yorkshire pudding. Uh, what is the Louisiana Cajun family meal? Oh, good Christmas? question. They do a big breakfast. And then on Christmas, the, oh, eat, the, nice. the night of Christmas day, it's like usually a brisket plus it's slightly different than the Thanksgiving thing we talked about, but it's, it's kind of a rotation of things. It depends on if they like get seafood, what's in season. It's never the tenderloin or the, the, like the beef tenderloin thing is probably the only consistent part of it that i can recall sounds yeah. delicious also a copious amount of alcohol yes always 
Me too on that one. Although you with kids though, you can't do that anymore on Christmas Eve. No. Oh yeah, because you'll be paying be, for it on Christmas they morning. Will, they will be sitting on the steps at four forty-five. Mm-hmm. Like, Can we come downstairs? Can we come downstairs? Can we come downstairs? <laughs> <laughs> no, go back upstairs. Mom and dad are so still fun sleeping. though. Uh, all right, everybody, have a great Christmas, uh, a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, the Festivus for the rest of us, whatever it is you celebrate out there. Everybody, have a great one. We do appreciate it, Stephen. Thank you for hanging out with us. We do appreciate it. When we come back, you will hear Bye, a conversation with Ian Fitzsimmons of ESPN. Fringe Element, Aaron Dugan, is brought to you by the wonderful people at Jaspers. It's a chip off the old Yule log. Uh, what? <laughs> a chip off the old Yule log. Oh, thank you for helping. That was actually helpful, and it kind of made sense. <laughs> I, I, I get one every now and then. Wow, what a Wait. what a beautiful gift you just gave me for Christmas. I, I waited till the very end of the season. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I just know to only expect one. one or zero. Listen, here's the deal. If you need some last minute stocking stuffers, That's what a makes good what, idea? What, what makes great stocking stuffers? Little like little food items and little desserts and little treats and little bath soaps and little fancy this and fancy that and little knickknacks and the Jasper's grab and go market has so many cool things locally sourced from national companies. Go into the grab and go market, go have dinner or lunch at Jasper's park for free. Don't pay for that. Pay for really good food. Buy yourself a gift card if you want, but also just stroll through the grab and go market on your way out. And I guarantee you, you will find really, really good stocking stuffers. Cause you always need that last little thing to like put the, the gift kind of combo over the top. Yes. For a significant other, for family, for kids, for an in-law, for parents, for a friend. Always just, just walk through that market. You'll find something. You've been in there a bunch of times. Like there's perfect gifts in there for stocking stuffers. So go to the Jasper's Grab and Go Market. Oh, yeah. And well, you're it's literally to order stuff. But in the future, if you have really thought ahead, you would have ordered gift basket or stuff from the market online. But you can still go in there. Yeah, it, it, that's actually a really good idea, Braden. It'd be perfect for that. Because they have all like, the little treats, Nashville stuff. They've got like cool like funny not dish rags what do you call them the little like hand towels yeah funny phrases on them like we all that stuff we gave like, out in the gift gift basket a while back any of that would have been perfect we, we have one stuffers. we have one that says paper towels are white trash <laughs> we have a hand towel that says that that's, that's the kind of stuff really you funny. get i think it's hilarious that's the kind of stuff you get at the, the jasper's grab and go market also i have now contributed two quality ideas to the show which means i'm done for the rest of the year <laughs> Wow. I mean, just standards are sky high. That's what I'm that's what I'm pointing out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are yeah. Very low expectations for me. And it's okay. Honestly, I wasn't expecting this out of you today. So I appreciate it. Well, I've had uh, it's early in the morning when I'm at my my most alert because the children are keeping me up here in the stratosphere of interview. Do you taper levels. off or do you ever hit a spike? Later? Oh, I hit a uh, yeah, that you know that uh that two two o'clock afternoon feeling? That's when I hit the that's when I'm like, okay, coffee time. Is that why we normally record the show at two? Ready, ready, I get the coffee at 1.30. I'm back up again. There you <laughs> go. That's what you got to do. Uh, all right. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Great parking, uh, great menu, great food, and some cool Christmas ideas, too. So uh, happy, happy, happy Christmas, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy Festivus. Whatever it is you celebrate, have a wonderful, Kwanzaa. wonderful time this holiday season. Everybody, where should people go? Aaron Dugan, where should, we, where should people go? People should go to Jasper's, the one-stop shop till you drop chop. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I said shop twice. Dang it. I was like, that was really good. Shop does rhyme with shop, people. Ian, welcome to the show, man. We really appreciate your time. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, just g- glad to see your face, man. One of my favorite voices in college football. Glad to have you on the show. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas, bro. It's been too long. Uh, hey, man, I think the last time you and I did a show together was probably close to a year. So, uh, man, always <laughs> good to see you and uh, talk some ball, brother. So I, I, I want to have I want to get your perspective because you are sort of a I, I, and I'll, I'll call you this and I want to see what your reaction is. Cause I already called you this on the show earlier. Like you're, you're like the cool fun uncle at the holiday party who like, <laughs> who like has all the good stories, all the wisdom, all the experiences of living life out there on the college football trail. And like, you know, there's like the one uncle that no one wants to talk about because he's just in like some dark, weird corner of the internet spouting conspiracy theories. You're the other one that everyone wants to hang out with. Do you take that as a compliment or an insult? Uh, no, I, I, I would take that as a full on compliment, man, like way over the top. As a matter of fact, I want to send that to my wife and daughters. Uh, so <laughs> I, I greatly appreciate it, dude. But look, man, when you're on the road every week, uh, it's a blast, you know, like last year, put everything into perspective, you know, when, you know, I, I think I, I called 11 games last year. Um, and of course my youngest daughter, Brady, you'll love this man, being a dad, she's like, dad, the only reason they're putting you on TV is because you have to wear a mask. Let's be honest. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, damn, damn, kid, that hurt, man. I mean, good Lord. Brutal. Uh, but I mean, just being out every week, you know, getting a full season in uh, with Sean Kelly and Barrett Jones on the college side and, you know, also doing like nine NFL games as well. Uh, it, it just, man, I, I called it exhilarating exhaustion, you know, because we took for granted so much, especially about the great game of college football, uh, not having, you know, that, that, that feel of, you have beer, bourbon, barbecue, Chanel number five, right? The, the smells of the game and, you know, the pageantry and all that, and the tailgating. There's nothing like it in co- outside of college football, nothing, you know? Um, and just to have all that back, I think it, it kind of, you know, flipped a switch for a lot of us. I know you and I talked about this, man. It, it, it's, uh, we take it for granted too much. And just to have it all back again, dude, it was, it was an awesome year. And, and every week, dude, every week we had something crazy happen. It was the fastest season I can remember also. Last year, crawled. This one, it was a sprint, man. It feels like we were just at, you know, at the college football symposium, you know, what, uh, uh, yesterday. I mean, it's crazy. Well, uh, Uncle Ian, we appreciate you joining us on the show today. We, we, we appreciate <laughs> it. Um, so I want to get to some of your experiences this year and some of the great stories in the SEC, some of the great coaching jobs and the players. There's just all, there's so much that goes unnoticed in our game because we get so focused on the playoff. But I am going to start with the playoff and just – I, the, the Kirby smart decision with JT Daniels, he's of course being coy with his quarterback as, as Kirby smart tends to be. Um, but it, it doesn't really matter what he decides as far as the narratives go, because it's going to be a huge story either way he goes. If he starts one guy, if he plays the other guy, if yep. he doesn't play the, unless they win a national championship with Stetson Bennett starting and playing all, you know, both games, it's going to be a huge story no matter what he does. Right. Uh, without, without question. You know, and <clears throat> that game, I, I, I can't, wait to sprint home from Alabama, Cincinnati, Sean Kelly, Barrett Jones. Now will be on the call about one at Jerry world at the death star. And then just get in the truck, get home as fast as possible, because this is a heavyweight matchup, man. I had Georgia week one against Clemson. Uh, and I had um, Michigan week two, and I-, I could not have been more impressed with what I saw with Michigan as far as a change of an attitude. So no matter what Kirby does, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, when, it, when it comes to his quarterback, but 
to me, that this game is going to be decided in the front seven, man, on both sides of the ball. Because Michigan's O-line is very underrated. Uh, and, and, man, it, they'll get after you. Harbaugh actually, you know, Brandon, I know you've called some Michigan games also. He, he's changed, dude. He's a, he's, he's a, he, he, he kind of feels like a, it's, a, it's a lighter version of him. And I think having now gone from one of the oldest coaching staffs in college football to one of the youngest staffs in college football gave him a sense of energy, youth. And he's a nicer dude. Heck, at halftime, man, against Washington, he, he, I walk up to him for our, our, our walk and talk at halftime. He put his arm around me, dude. And he's like, all right, what do you want to know? Like, who, the hell? who are you like, who is this human right i mean is there, is there an alien that's taken over jim harbaugh and he gave a great answer i'm like hey man number one thing you want to fix in the second half and he said we got to get our big boys to the second level there are he said he cited four runs that went for like seven eight yards it should have been touchdowns because we get hat on hat on the second level where this game's already over of course, Barrett Jones being an old, old, old lineman, right? He's like, I mean, he, he was you know, almost, you know, like euphoric. Like, oh, yes, <laughs> right? But that that team, man, they are nasty. They they will fight you till hell freezes over and then fight you on the ice. And then Georgia, their front seven's the same way. We, they've been, we've talked about them since week one, right? Uh, but you're, you bring up the point of it comes down to who's playing quarterback. That will be the discussion, you know, right before kick. You're right. But I don't think that's where that game is going to be decided. It's going to be in the trenches for both these teams because they will both get after you. So what did Georgia – like, what happened to Georgia? I mean, obviously Alabama has Bryce Young and Jamison Williams, and those are two unique weapons to take advantage of the back end of Georgia. And a backup center. But, right? but like, what, what was the – why did the defense? I mean, again, I don't. I know we're like two weeks. I don't, know. Weeks, I do, I don't like, have an answer for you. I, I literally don't have an answer for you. I, and anybody who thinks they do is lying, because that was just uncharacteristic. And and people can talk about Braden. You know, well, Alabama was hungrier. You know, and they, they wanted it more. You know, and as Saban said in the post game presser, which by the way matriculated to the NFL, because I, I had Ravens Steelers that uh, right after the SEC title game. Bradley Bozeman, All-American center, right, from Alabama, talking about, man, how about Coach Saban turning the rat poison around, saying it was yummy, you know? Uh, Najee Harris from, from the Steelers talking about – they both, independent of one another, Braden, with talking about their old coach, right, uh, you know, and, and, and flipping the rat poison thing around. But I, I, I don't have an explanation. I don't. Yeah. I mean, if, if you do, come on with it, man, because I that is not the Georgia team, but I saw week one. It wasn't a Georgia team we watched on film in week 10. And it sure as hell didn't look like them that day, especially with Bama rolling out a backup center. Football's a weird game. Sometimes you don't always play your best. And if the other team is – if you've been just dominating people all season, it's easy to get complacent. I know these are all cliches, but I don't, like, I'm with you. I don't have any other explanation because it wasn't about Stetson Bennett. Like, he didn't play great, but, like, that's not the reason they lost that game against Alabama. We'll, we'll see if Michigan has the – quarterback and the weaponry to exploit Georgia in space because I do think they've got all the other pieces on in the, the back trenches, end, in the trenches like weakness, yeah. back end is their one weakness right yep. you know they miss Eric Stokes now playing you know in, in the league with the Green Bay Packers as a rookie I mean you know yeah the, the, the back end is the weakness for the Georgia Bulldogs but to your point I'm, I'm that's not what Michigan does well man they're, yeah. they're, they're gonna they're gonna ram Haskins and Corm right right at you and, and they can both tote it I mean they are both they run angry, man, with some passion behind their pads. But, you know, look, again, it's going to come back to, to me, not who Kirby Smart rolls out there at, at quarterback. To me, that game is going to be run by the big uglies up front.
Well, I want to let's let's take a few minutes here just to sort of look back on your college football journey and sort of the, the season's journey here real quickly. And it's part of why I want to talk to you, because I know you've got perspective on sort of all these things. The SEC, the middle of the pack in the SEC, if you want to start talking about who did the best job coaching and you look at Mark Stoops, you look at Josh Heupel, Shane Beamer, you know, Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, Sam Pittman. Is it is it a healthier middle class in the SEC than you've ever seen? Hell, yes. You knew that answer, man. Come on. How about how about Shane Beamer rolling in a GA at quarterback? You know, like you know, and I, I love going back. Go back to the preseason, man. That's a three win team for him to to get that squad bowl eligible and be in a bowl game, right? I mean, to get those 15, 16 extra practices is invaluable, and he did it with a, a play, with a guy playing quarterback off of his coaching staff who happened to have a year of eligibility left. And I love how Beamer was like, dude, we didn't just go to the Budweiser plant on a loading dock and say, hey, anybody <laughs> play quarterback? I mean, this was something that they had talked about. Didn't want to have to use, right, as an emergency guy, but it, it came up that they had to. And you get bowl eligible in that conference? I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. And what Pitt's done at Arkansas, I mean, that's just – that's nothing short of spectacular. I mean, he really is. I mean, he's done a remarkable job. The Pirate, I've got the Liberty Bowl against Texas Tech. Uh, you know, Mike Leach still has that philosophy of, you know, whenever his team has to punt, he views it as a failure. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's uh, that, that middle of the road, you, you're spot on. Uh, when it comes to the SEC, and they, they would probably, some of them, take offense to what you said, uh, describing it as middle of the road. But, look, man, it was, uh, it was a remarkable job. I had Tennessee, Alabama. Heupel, man, he, what a remarkable remarkable job that he did that was a game remember man that that, that was a one score game going into the fourth quarter to be able to do that he didn't have the depth to, to keep up with bama yeah. and they got boat raised 28 nothing in the fourth but heifel did a remarkable job as well so i completely agree with you it's it's been uh i wouldn't say a resurgence but it, it's it's been a remarkable run by all the coaches that you mentioned would it be unprofessional at halftime of the liberty bowl to ask mike leach how he feels about the outstanding debt that Texas Tech still owes him. No, I think he'd appreciate that question. That's <laughs> I think he would. Right? I mean, I think he would actually like, thank you for giving me the platform right now. <laughs> let's, let's not walk and talk, right? Let's turn that mic on and I'll give you an answer. <laughs> I have I have words for you, Ian. I have right? words. Yes. As a matter of fact, I really, my attorneys, I really appreciate you bringing that up. <laughs> and therefore, let me give you a four minute answer why I, do, I don't go do any adjustments at halftime and right, tell, right. you know, hey, the Red Raiders, I want my money. There you go. What, what are your, just like the, the places you go in the SEC that you just, you, you get all the vibes, you get all the feels. Like, I know they're all great and they're all special, but like when you travel in across the country, there's so LSU. many great places across the country. LSU. LSU still, yeah. still the top. Yeah. I mean, I went to Alabama for six and a half years. So I've got a lot of, you know, you know, family, friends. I was an old booking, a bartender back then, man. You know, I mean, my, my, you know, great friend Trip Rogers and Mike McInerney on the Industry Irish Pub, which we opened back in 1998. I, I stupidly sold out of. We appreciate you coming in every now and then, Braden, by the way. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, Bama's always going to be special because uh, I went there for so long. Um, well, that was, yeah, and I do not have a doctorate, uh, for those of you wondering. Um, but uh, LSU is just different, man. I mean, it's just, it's special. Whether, when, and, you know, you, you go to Parain's for lunch, Rafino's for dinner. Uh, attack that crab meat cheesecake appetizer, getting a three-point stance and just dominate that redfish with lump crab meat on top over a cedar plank. 
Yeah, we're all getting hungry right now, right? I mean, yeah, dude. And then you head over to uh, to Death Valley where you've got 100,000 just saturated fans, you know, on, on an, any night in Baton Rouge. It, it's, it's special. It's just different, dude. It really is. Um, and for anybody who has not been, you know, you and I can't really explain why it's different. It just yeah. is. Uh, that's the I, I just anybody who asks me, you know, who are uh, when, when I'm traveling in the NFL, your favorite place, if there's one college game to go to. I mean, I don't hesitate. It's it's a red stick at night, dude. In a big game, it doesn't get any better. I, I've never felt more at home being dog cussed than at an LSU yeah. game. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> F you, here's some gumbo. Like that's that's how that's how it works. It's, um, it, it's just different. Outside of like the the superstars, the Bryce Youngs and the Will Andersons and the Jordan Davises, like are are there some guys in this conference that stand out to you that will be most memorable about 2021? Basically, favorite well, player, well, favorite player, favorite players of the season. Yeah, Will Rogers, man, it was a remarkable year. Uh, who saw that coming, right? I mean, until the Big 12 championship game, when a redshirt freshman who only had one start under his belt went 17 for 17 to start a game, and I was on the call of that, you know, I mean, Will Rogers had the D1, you know, completion record coming in. I think it was 15 for 15 to start a game. I mean, what a remarkable season that he, that he had. Um you know, 18 at LSU. I mean, he's special, you know, to, to finish the game in his senior season. Uh, when you wear the number 18 also, man, at LSU, I, that's different, dude, as you know. I mean, you, you're, you're a special player. And to end the season on two sacks, right, against Texas A&M, which has become a nice rivalry after, you know, Thanksgiving. Um, to be there for that was 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 awesome. But uh, Rodgers, to me, was, was one of the best stories. And then, man, it's going to sound nuts, but Williams at Alabama, that dude left Ohio State. And he's, <laughs> I mean, look at the year he had, bro. Uh, I mean, he's going to be a, a top 20 pick, you know, another Alabama wide receiver going in, in you know, uh, in the first round. And he bolted because, you know, Alave, you know, and Wilson, all that. I mean, and, and you go to Bama and you put up those numbers. Um, that, that's scary. If you thought, imagine if he's stuck and stayed at Ohio State. I know, dude. That, that's that's that may be the best wide receiver room that we would have ever seen in the last what 15, 20 years. So, I mean, Williams, if you really think about it, because he's a transfer, and we we thought he had a, a good season, but he had a, a, a just a remarkable year. So, I'd go Will Rogers eighteen, and then probably Williams because I don't think any of us saw what Williams did. Yeah, you know, coming in when, when, if you go back to week one. I'll leave you on this. You mentioned the LSU Bama, uh, the A&M thing. And we talked about this earlier in the season after LSU, they, they, they were getting beat by Kentucky. And it was the same night, I believe, that the A&M Alabama game was happening, if I'm not mistaken. And LSU fans are all in these hotels in Kentucky. Um, and they're all watching, like, rooting against A&M. They're not rooting against Bama. They're rooting against A&M. And it's because I think that I-10 thing – has turned into something more it really than, has. than yeah, we anticipated. Like, it, isn't that good for the game and good for the oh. SEC to have that being built up the way it is? Well, and remember, when you and I were growing up, it was Texas A&M, Texas at Thanksgiving. You know, now I think Greg Sankey and the SEC did a, a masterful job in getting A&M another natural rivalry. Now, it ain't Texas, right? But it's good. I mean, it's got some sizzle to it. I've done that game twice now in the last four years. They hate each other. And they, there's not, and, and a lot of you, because LSU's got a lot of Texas guys on their roster, right? 
A&M's got some, you know, Louisiana boys on their roster. They all went butted heads, you know, in, in, in high school. And it is, it is a, it is truly to your point. I agree. A budding robbery. And if we were going to have something, try and, you know, be that filler for Texas A&M, Texas, and LSU, Texas A&M has turned into something that is, is going to continue to be a budding robbery until, Oh, Hey, Boomer Sooner and, and, and the whiny orange roll into the SEC. And I'm <laughs> curious to see, dude, what do you do? Do you go back to A&M and Texas? What, what, whether you're in a four pod system, whatever it is, or two sides of it. I mean, whatever, whatever they decide to do, do you punt LSU A&M, which to your point, I agree is building to go back to that old tradition that you and I had growing I want, up, right? I want, With A&M I want both. and Texas. I want, I want both. I want both, Ian. You can't have both. There's no reason I can't have both. Which one? You have to go back. If I, I think as a as a kid who Texas, right? As a kid who went to middle school in Austin and went to Westlake High School for a year, and you you don't grow up in Austin learning uh, your mama so fat jokes. You learn uh, how to confuse an Aggie jokes like that. Those are the jokes you learn when you grow up. So like, it's hard for me to not pick Texas and Texas A&M. Uh, but I do love you gotta that. You got to pick I, one, bro. You got to pick one. Which yeah, way are you going? You got to go Texas, Texas A&M. It's just, I agree. I agree. Do it. But you know what? Well, you know, you know all the folks down there in Birmingham. We'll get them on the blower and we'll 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 put them together and we'll say, listen, you got to keep these two games on the schedule. It's not that hard. They can figure it out. Um, what is? We'll let you go on this, Ian. What what does the Fitzsimmons household? What meat do you consume at Christmas? Man, this has been a dude. It's crazy you just asked that question because this has been an ongoing battle for about two weeks. Because we, we, we go to my, my in-law's house, you know, and, and my father-in-law, I, don't, I call him my dad. He's one of my best friends in the world. I love him, love him, love him with everything. He came up with, what about lasagna? And I went, what? What? Mm. And it, 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 it grew on me, dude. So we normally do either a prime rib with a spicy horseradish, right? You know, or even the ham. I mean, no turkey, because uh, that's been done right it just just happened which drives me nuts because i would repeat thanksgiving dinner yes like the entire menu yes all over again at christmas i mean I, i'm 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 all for it so and and i really do my my oldest daughter rowan uh, thought of this and i gotta get I, I, I can't claim it i wish i could said dad we should just do thanksgiving dinner in a random february weekend yes she's a genius i, I never genius. thought of it and we're totally doing it man i mean we're doing the full thanksgiving meal on a random Saturday in February. But for Christmas this year, I dude, I lost out. Lasagna. Wow. I, I, don't I, know. I, I know. I know no how I feel about rub, it. No I ham. Mean, I, I love know. lasagna. I love lasagna. Lasagna is amazing. My five-year-old hey, I ain't got to cook it. My okay. wife's the one doing the cooking. So that's part of the reason why I All right. It. Yeah, because I, I, I normally I'm the one <laughs> doing the cooking, right? Or my dad's doing the cooking. Yeah, you got now motives. it's my wife's lasagna. Therefore, yeah. Yeah. I'll farm it out, bro. I'm all I'm all about it. There you have it, Ian, Fitz, Ian Fitzsimmons. You can hear him all over ESPN Radio, calling all the great games, and uh, you got uh, all kinds of other stuff you're doing all over the place. So, thank you so much for giving us your time. Uh, we loved having you. Thank you so much, Uncle Ian, for hanging out with us. <laughs> great, good to see you, my brother. Merry Christmas to you and yours. That was Ian Fitzsimmons of ESPN. ESPN Radio does all kinds of games throughout the course of the year. Just love talking with that guy. He's like a 
You know how like Spencer Hall is like a philosopher, like the Socrates of, of college football. Ian yes. Fitzsimmons is like, this, he's going to take this as an insult, but I feel like he's like my <laughs> uncle, like just my really cool. <laughs> but, but, like, the cool... Spencer Hall to Socrates and him to your uncle. Well, I, I'm, let me finish. I'm okay. talking about like the cool uncle, not the crazy uncle that sits at the table and blathers off bizarre conspiracy theories about the deep, dark corners of the internet. I'm talking about <laughs> like the cool uncle that taught you about like records and music when you were a kid, like that, okay. that uncle who's like the guy you want to hang out with after Christmas dinner because he's got funny stories and just knows a lot of shit. And I, I just, I've always, I've, I've drank a lot of beer with Ian Fitzsimmons on the road at the college world series at media days. And he's just, He's just one of my favorite people in the business. So I meant that as a very, very high compliment to if you're going to hang out with an uncle after Christmas dinner, you better be, you better be fun. You better be, a, you better be a good right. man. Or uh, you better be Ian. Or you better be Ian Fitzsimmons. So special thanks to Ian for joining us, of course, uh, to Stephen Godfrey as well. Aaron, uh, anything else, any, any holiday cheer you'd like to spread before we uh, send everybody on their merry way? I Check out don't... the YouTube page. Subscribe. Yeah, check out the YouTube page. Um, subscribe to that. That would be a great Christmas gift for us. That would be two Christmas gifts. You, subscriptions and Braden helped me with the ad today. So that's what a what a time to be alive, honestly. But yeah. yeah, I guess just enjoy your fam and be nice to each other and other people also. I think that is a good parting le- uh, message for folks out there. For Stephen Godfrey, my name is Braden Gall, at Braden Gall on Twitter, at the Aaron Dugan on Twitter, at Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram, at 440 Sports on Twitter as well. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. But also now we're asking you to check out the YouTube page because all the awesome stuff that Aaron's doing is on full display there. So go check yeah. out the YouTube page, 440 Make Sports. Make it worth it. Thank you guys all for hanging out. Have a great Christmas, everybody. This has been the Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network. Happy holidays.